Well, g'day everyone. Welcome to church. I'll tell you what, I'm uh, hanging out for this cool change to sweep on through. Um, it, it's great to, to be together, isn't it? And this week, particularly uh, great as we think about gathering, about this act of uh, coming together. Uh, I just want to flag right now that we will be having a Q&A, uh, live Q&A after church. Aren't I lucky? Uh, and so if you've got questions that come in uh, during the sermon, if they come up, feel free to text away. So now's the time to pop that number in your phone if you don't have Rob's number already. He won't mind everyone knowing that. Uh, if you don't have it already, and you can text away uh, those questions during the sermon, or uh, you're able to um, ask them, obviously, live if you're here. Uh, and if you're online, welcome. Good to, good to see you there. Well, good for you to see us, I guess. Uh, and you can text those in. We'd love to interact with some of those questions. Now, as we, as we think about um, gathering this week, so we think about the act of uh, doing, doing church together, um, the, the word church literally means assembly. It, it means gathering. It's, a, it's an action. It's the, uh, in Acts, actually, it's described as, it's the, the same word is used to describe a riot. Uh, so it's a group of people who are assembled, who are gathered. Uh, and throughout the New Testament, this word church has come to mean more than just any gathering. Uh, Paul addresses most of his letters to the church of. So it's to a particular group of people. He often mentions names. He says, say hello to this person, rebuke that person. He knows who's going to be part of this gathered group of people. So, so what we're talking about today, as we think about church, as we think about gathering, uh, it's not the building, it's not the space. I think COVID's taught us that. It doesn't really matter where we are, uh, but the act of gathering together around God's word as a local community of God's people. Um, so this is particularly for Christians, this is for you if you are one of God's people, if you have become a member of God's family through Jesus. But if you're not a Christian, uh, this is a great opportunity for you to look in and see, well, what does it mean to be part of this community? Uh, we'd love, if you're local, to come and gather with us. You, you can come along and see what a gathering looks like and be part of it. But, but really, this is for the people who belong to God's family, who belong to this local expression uh, of God's family. And the question I want to ask to start with is, how do, how do you feel about church? When you think about church, it's, it's coming up. Uh, when you think about going to church, when you think about this time on a Sunday or whenever it is that you have set aside to gather, how do, how do you feel about that? Uh, now, I know some people who feel like this about Christmas, you know, it's, uh, they, they're feeling so excited about church. Uh, I've got some friends, uh, they might be sitting in the front row, who set up their Christmas tree way too early because they're way too excited about Christmas. Um, they won't be named. Uh, but uh, some, maybe you feel a little bit like that about church. You, you can't wait for it. Monday rolls around, you think, I, I can't wait for Sunday. Uh, church is coming. How good will it be together? Uh, maybe that's how you're feeling. Or maybe for you, church feels a bit like a chore. And you think, oh, I've got so many other things to do. It's such a valuable slot but I've got to do it. Maybe that's how you're feeling about church. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle, uh, somewhere on that spectrum of you can't wait for next Sunday to roll around and, ugh, uh, Sunday's here again already. How are, how are you feeling about church? How, how do you feel when you think about gathering together? Uh, do you feel like it's a burden? Do you feel it's like something you have to tick off the list, you know, one of the qualifiers that you have to meet uh, to belong to Jesus' family? Uh, does 
coming to church or not? Does that associate, do you have guilt with that? There's all sorts of emotions that might be running through us as we think about how we feel about church. And so that's where I want to start. And I think the, the, the two, I guess, uh, illustrations that I want to think about, how do we feel about church? Do we feel about church as though it was community service or social soccer? Uh, so is, is church something you do because, you know, maybe you want to get in this particular university course and you want your CV to look good? Uh, and not only do you have to get this score in your HSC, but you need to clock up 200 hours of community service because that's what's going to look good. Is it a tick? Is it the thing that you have to do? Uh, or do you think about churches like a social soccer team or, or insert other hobby here, whatever it might be, some team activity that you do for fun because you want to be there? It might be little athletics, it might be a sailing team, it might be something else. It, it, that, that's the sort of vibe we're going for. Is it, is it like something you've got to tick off? Or is it something that you signed up because you love it? And you love belonging, you love going along? And now we're going to be thinking about that today. As we think about gathering, how should we be feeling about church? And if, if, you're, if how you want to feel about church and how you are feeling about church, if they're different... We're going to be thinking about, well, how do we get those two to overlap? How do we align what we are feeling about gathering with what we think we should be feeling? Because that's, that's one of the really hard ones for me. How do I align what I am feeling with what I know I should be feeling? So as we work through, uh, we're going to see three uh, things about gathering, about churching, you could say, but we're going to use the word gathering. Uh, we're going to see from God's word three things. It's not everything that we say about church. We see that uh, gathering is essential to survival, that is spiritual survival. We're going to see that gathering is not just vertical, it's not just between you and God. And we're going to see that we, we gather to build up others. So we're going to see those things, we're hopefully going to move through them pretty quickly. And then we'll have four steps forward. How, how can we step forward to, to realign or reaffirm our emotions, our feelings about gathering to make sure they're in line with what God's shown us. So please join me as we pray that God will do that work in us today. Father God, as we gather, we, we thank you that this is what you call us to do, to gather as your people around your word. And we pray as we do that now, as we, uh, as we open up your word, as we seek, uh, seek your voice, as we seek for you to speak to us through your spirit, uh, through the word, the sword of the spirit, we pray that you will uh, reveal to us what your desire is for us, what is good for us, we pray that you will convict us uh, and show us where we should be. And we pray that you will realign us, that you will do your work in our hearts, sanctifying us and bringing us into line with your good design and purpose for us. And we thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so that's where we're heading off today. So first of all, uh, gathering is essential to survival. Now, you may have noticed, but life can be tough. Christian life can be tough and if you haven't found that to be your experience yet, uh, maybe you haven't lived enough uh, or maybe you've lived in a very secluded little pocket. Uh, but in this world, uh, it, it's, it's not normal to find it easy uh, and natural and just like tripping over. You don't trip over and find yourself more spiritual and more healthy. Uh, spiritual health, uh, faith, the Christian walk, it is not something that's like a, you know, a, a downhill, gentle stroll. Uh, we're, in, we're in a hostile world. Uh, the book of Hebrews that Ben uh, read for us, uh, well, not he didn't read the whole book, uh, but the passage that he, he read from, from, from for us earlier, 
the book of Hebrews talks a lot about this. It talks about what we need to do to survive, what we need to do to thrive in our faith. And, and that's the context that this, uh, this statement in Hebrews 10 comes from. And we'll read it again. Hebrews 10, uh, 24 and 25. These are the verses we'll be particularly focusing on in this point. Um, the author of Hebrews writes, uh, as we're considering, well, how, how is it? How is it that we'll survive in this life that is, uh, is often hostile to spiritual health? He says, well, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, it's been my personal experience and, and my experience as I've watched others, both before I was a pastor and now that I'm a pastor, is that when we're feeling a bit spiritually dry, when we're feeling maybe like we're not doing so well in our walk with Jesus, in our faith, uh, there's often a natural instinct to withdraw, to go, you know what, I, 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 just, I just need some time to heal. I just need some time to, to get this sorted, to withdraw from community. You're feeling a bit spiritually flat and you think, oh, I, I just don't think I can face home group tonight. I just don't think I can face church at the moment. I'll just, just, I'll just back off a bit, just have a breather, get myself together, regroup, uh, and then, then we'll come back. But it's this withdrawal. Uh, and it's actually the opposite, the exact opposite is what we need when we're sp feeling spiritually flat, when we're going through something tough. Uh, one of the uh, examples that I find really helpful in this, and especially helpful as I've learned about barbecuing in a low and slow way with sort of real coals in your barbecue, is I've learned about how coals behave. Um, so, so I buy these little barbecue beads from Bunnings when I'm doing a smoked meat something. Many of you will have sampled that. Uh, and, and you've got to get them going together. Trying to heat up and keep one coal going is, is a nightmare. But once you get them in a pile, once you get them going together, you can just leave them and they will just go nuts. They feed each other. They, they, they get each other glowing hotter and hotter and hotter. And that's just what happens if they've got air and they're together. That's what coals together do. Uh, but if one of the coals rolls away from the others, and often this will happen, it'll be still within the barbecue, it might still be 100 degrees in there or hotter, but if one of the coals rolls away from the pile, uh, it'll go out. And I might do a 15 or 20 hour cook, and all the other coals will be ash, and these couple of little coals that have rolled away to the edge, they've, they've gone out, they've stopped. And that's sort of what Christians are like. We need each other. We need each other to spur on, to stir up, to, to work together, to keep each other going. That's how God's designed us to work. He's given us the church. He's called us to be together as Christians in community. And it's how we keep each other going. And when we're hurting, when we're going through a hard time, when we're feeling a bit flat and we withdraw, it just exacerbates the problem. Now, God can do miracles. He can convict us just by reading our word on our own or doing whatever it might be. Uh, but the way he's designed us to operate is that we would stir up, we would spur on one another. It's coming together uh, that, that gets, um, you know, gets our spark going. Uh, that's the way we work. So, so that's the first thing I, I think we see pretty quickly uh, is, that, uh, is that gathering is essential to survival. 
Uh, I'd go so far as to say it's impossibly impossible to be a spiritually healthy Christian if you are not gathering with the body of Christ. God says that's what we should do. It's part of our spiritual health. It is impossible to be a spiritually healthy Christian and to withdraw and, and not to be gathering with the body of Christ. It's essential to our spiritual survival. Uh, the next thing we see is that gathering, the, the act of churching together, it's not just vertical. Uh, now, at Bible College, one of our lecturers, Stuart, did a tour around Europe uh, surveying, I think it was Stuart Colton, did a surveying different church styles from different eras and noticing what they looked at, looked like. And it's, it was actually real. I thought, oh, that's, that, that doesn't sound very interesting or useful, but it was. And, and what he found, that there were different focal points in different churches. And when, um, when there was a big focal point on the word, uh, on the preaching, the pulpit uh, sort of crept across from tucked away on the corner, across into the middle of the church. Uh, when there was a focus on different things, that, that's what would end up at the middle of the church. Uh, now, you might have noticed in buildings not like this, the buildings that we usually don't meet in, uh, old buildings that are tall, they, you walk into them and you can't help but looking up. It was one of the things that blew me away when I went to England, the cathedrals. And they, are, they just lift your gaze. And they're actually designed that way. There's a theology, an ethos behind that, because they're thinking when you, when you come to church, you want to come to encounter God. And you think about God's transcendence. You look, you look up, it's very vertical. Uh, and, and that was, that was what, what they're thinking is they're building these beautiful, tall cathedrals. It, it's to lift your gaze. And usually, if, if someone's thought about that and built a building that way, the way they will run church is when you arrive at church, you, you don't want this idle chatter. You want silence. You want reflection. Because this is about you preparing to have a vertical encounter with God. Now, church is that. Uh, it is where we, we hear from God's word. It's where we worship God, where we speak to him, but it's where we do it in community. It's not just vertical. It's horizontal. It goes across ways. We see this so many places, but one of the places we see it really clearly is 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Uh, so Paul's writing to the Corinthians. He's talking about how they should run church. Uh, and he says, what then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Let all things be done for building up. Now, of course, Paul says, you come to learn. Of course you come to learn. We, we see that uh, in other places. It's Paul's habit as they gather together. He would teach or some, someone else would teach. You come to worship God. You come to be nourished. But it's fundamentally together. This is something that you don't do on your own. When you come together, when you church you can't church on your own. Uh, you can't go out into nature with your Bible and do hashtag church. Yeah, that, that's not church. When you come together, when you gather, that's church. It's something we do together in and for each other. We're, we're doing it. We're worshipping. We're hearing from God together. And you also see that it, it's not that you come as a uh, a supplicant to a minister or a reverend who is going to give you something. You don't come thinking, right, I'm here and I'm going to receive something. No, no, when, when each one comes. Now, we're going to get onto this in the next point as well, but it's, it's very clear. This isn't something that, 
the, the vast majority come to hear from one or the vast majority come to interact directly through the few. It's, it's something that we all come, each one together, to give. And we see very clearly that all these things have been done for the building up. So when each one, each one of you, each one of us, when we come, what are we coming with our hymn, our song, our tongue, our interpretation, whatever it is we're bringing? When we come, what are we doing it for? For, for building up. Not, not just for building up for myself, for building up the body together, the, the us. And that is directly linked um, to the third thing we see, that gathering is where we build others up. Now, I just did a very quick word search. You can do this on a thing called Bible Gateway, free online platform. I did it on my Bible software. I just did word search, NIV, build up. And I'm going to show you all the New Testament references, every single one. There's not a whole lot of them, but I just want to show you how fundamentally building up, you'd expect some to come out and say, build yourself up, build up your own faith, build up you. No. Well, just have a, have a look at what comes up. Um, Acts 20, uh, 32, I commit you to God, to the word of his grace, which can build you up. So, so this is just saying the word will build you up. So that, that's something outside of you that will build you up. That's the first one. But as we go through, Romans 15, 2, each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. Paul's talking about the Christian family. You're to build others up. 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Um, He's talking about food sacrificed to idols. He's thinking about, well, what do you do when you're offered food sacrificed to idols? And the whole flow of the argument is about others. Uh, he says, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Your decisions around whether you eat food sacrificed to idols or not, or not shouldn't be about you. It should be about building up others in love. 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Um, you're eager for the gifts of the spirit, but try and excel in those who, which build up the church. Don't, don't, not, not these ones, the ones that build up others. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, uh, we just saw, let all things be done for building up. Uh, the next one, uh, Paul's talking about the authority that he's been given as an apostle. Uh, and this, this comes up twice in 2 Corinthians. Uh, and he says, this authority that's given to me, it wasn't given for me, it was given to build you up. Comes up twice, he says almost exactly the same thing twice. It's given to me that you might be built up by what was given to me. Ephesians 4.12, uh, this is the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, they were given to the church, why? That the body of Christ may be built up so they might build others up. Ephesians 4.16, uh, talking about the body of Christ, the church, which builds itself up in love. It's, it's a together thing, it's the building up of the body. Uh, Ephesians 4.29, uh, don't let any of this unwholesome, this coarse talk coming out of your mouths, but only what's in helpful for building others up. Uh, Colossians 2, 6 to 7, um, as we think about uh, being built up in Christ Jesus, uh, and it's all done in the context of together, uh, in the context of a church. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore each one uh, encourage one another and build each other up. And Jude 20, this is the last of them. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Now this would be the closest it comes to saying build yourself up. But it's plural. It's plural in the Greek. It's build yourselves up. Build yourselves up. This isn't something you do on your own. It's something you do together. It's plural. And that's all of them. That's every place build up comes in the New Testament. 
and overwhelming. It's overwhelmingly, it's not something you do for yourself. You don't build up your own faith. You are built up by others. And you do build up others. Building up faith is something you do to others and it's something that is done to you. And if we just look a little bit closer at these uh, two passages we've looked at already, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, uh, it's so clearly there, isn't it? Let us consider, not how to build yourself up, how to stir each other up. What should you spend your time considering, O Christian? What, what should you spend your time thinking about what, how you can achieve? How you can spur, up your Christian, spur on your Christian family, how you can stir them up in faith. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Encourage one another. That's what you do as you gather together. The primary thing you do. Uh, we see it there in 1 Corinthians. When you come together. And, and this, I promise we'd come back to it. This is, this is saying... Whoever you are, if you belong to, to Christ's family, you should be coming, each one should be coming, thinking, what has God given me to bring to the church? What has God given me to bring to this body for the encouragement of others? Now, God's given curse, particular gifts in music and choosing songs and thinking, well, how can, how can I build up the, the, the congregation? She does that. She did it with Sharice today very well. Thank you, guys. You, you came ready to bring. But, but what can you bring? I, I came with a sermon. What can you bring? As you turn up to church, you're thinking, well, I'm coming to be built up. I'm coming to receive. I'm coming to have my experience with God. Or are you thinking, I'm coming to bring whatever God has given me for the building up of others? It might be an encouraging conversation. Encouragement comes up so often as a spiritual gift, as something that God gives to people to share with the church. It might be a word, word of knowledge, a word of encouragement, a word of teaching. It might be a listening ear. It might be praying with someone after church or before church or for someone during church as you're sitting there, looking at the back of their head and praying for them. Might be asking that question that's on your heart in question time. You think, oh, I don't want to look silly, but asking it or making that comment. But fundamentally, it means arriving here, sitting in the car and thinking, well, what do I have to bring here? What has God given me? It's a mindset shift from saying, well, what will I get out of today? What will I get out of today? What's in it for me? I hope I have a good encounter with God today. And it changes to say, what has God given me today to give, to share, to build into somebody else? And it could be a whole range of things. And I, I want to be like that. You might be surprised, but uh, sometimes, maybe even often, by Sunday afternoon, I'm feeling a bit tired. You guys feeling a bit tired by Sunday afternoon? I've been working away, working on my sermon Often there's a lot of setup that goes on and by the time you guys are about ready to come, I'm sometimes feeling a bit flat. And honestly, I feel like hiding in a cubicle and having some lamb time. And that's something, I was talking about this at home group, that's something that God's laid on my heart that I need to think uh, about and I need to repent of and think, well, I'm not here just to tick my box to deliver my sermon and go home. I'm here to serve. I need to readjust my attitude. I need to say, 
And what was laid on my heart is I need to take 10 minutes, probably from 2.50 to 3 o'clock. After I've done the bulk of my prayer, we've done some setup, we're all ready just to pray and say, God, please change my heart. Give me the, this generous spirit that says, I'm, I'm ready to give. I'm ready to invest. I'm, I'm ready to listen, to care, to look out and see whatever it is that you have for me to give. Now, that's what I want to be like. That, that's, the, the, that's the attitude I want to have. And uh, now you might be uh, hearing all this and thinking, well, that's great, Liam. I'd love to feel like that. And that's the problem. <laughs> I don't. I know it to be true. I've read all those verses before. I know that's what I meant to feel. Maybe you're feeling like that, that father in the Gospel of Mark uh, who says to Jesus, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I love that statement. He says, I believe, I have faith. Help me overcome my unbelief. Maybe that's what you feel. Like. I, I want to want this. I want to feel this way. Well, that's what these next four uh, steps are about. Uh, as, we, as we think about uh, what God said, uh, hopefully these four steps will be helpful to move forward to adjust and to align what God says and what we want to be like with how we're feeling. And the first step uh, forward is to see the beauty of church, see the beauty of gathering. We're chatting about this in home group, I was just having a chat about it with Martin uh, before church. Uh, if you look around here and think about all the different jobs, all the different backgrounds, uh, all the different interests, all the different hobbies, and you think, what on earth brings these people together in one group? Even just compare Rob and I. I think Rob owns a shirt with a collar. He got married in one. He had a collar for his wedding, yeah. He might have one or two. I think I own a shirt without a collar. We're, we're very different. We come from different places. We have different interests. And that's the least of the differences. And we come together in this rich and diverse group who care for one another, who invest in one another. Uh, church, as it's the gathering as it's uh, meant to be, at, at, at its best, is just what we've described. It's a you know, hundred people gathering together to invest in others. Isn't that beautiful? Everyone turning up thinking, how can I invest in someone else? Everyone turning up saying, how can I build up my brothers and sisters in Christ? How can I care for someone today? How can I be empathetic? How can I listen? How can I pray? How can I give a word, an interpretation, an encouragement? Isn't that a, isn't that a beautiful community? Isn't that something you want to be part of? A community of diversity and love, of genuine care? A community where we don't have to pretend that we've got it together all the time because we don't, where we, we admit our failings and failures and brokenness, <clears throat> especially seen in home groups, in the smaller groups, where we can be honest and share with one another where we're struggling. The beauty of church is that it's a place to contribute. It's not just a place where you come and someone serves you and you go, well, I could never contribute anything. Church is a body the body of Christ. And Paul says, hey, don't, don't let one part of the body look down on another part of the body. There are some obvious, obvious bits that you need. But, but have, you, have you ever thought about operating life without a kidney or without both kidneys? Maybe you've more than thought about it. Maybe you've experienced it. Either done it yourself or been with friends or family and taken them to dialysis. Now, kidneys, they're not something I give much thought to. 
You don't see them operating. They are crucial. And Paul says, hey, that's, that's the church. We've all got a role to play. We've all got some value. We're all needed. And God has put you here because you have value and you have something to contribute. Isn't that amazing? And it's a community that lasts into eternity. It's a group, a family. The, the relationships, their brother and sister adopted into God's family relationships are the relationships which carry on into eternity. They last forever. So that, that is step one, is to step back and just think about this community and what it is. That's the first step to realigning how we feel about the gathering with what we know we should feel, is to see its beauty. The next step is to invest in others. This is where I want to encourage you to start investing in others even if you don't feel it yet. If you go, well, uh, I want to be genuine, I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'm only going to invest in others when I feel really loving. I tell you what, you wouldn't have many sermons if I operated on that. Often we don't start from that place. Often we don't, we're just not there, we're humans, we're in these bodies of flesh and emotions, we're affected by the outside world. I want to encourage you, if you don't feel it yet, to start investing. Start investing. Uh, that's going to look like, well, first of all, pulling out your calendar, maybe now, maybe it's on your phone, and putting in, if you're a part of this church, Lake Mac Church, blocking out 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, next Sunday, and put repeat weekly. Never ending. You know, you get that option, where do you want this to end after 10? No, I don't want it to end. And when I die, someone will pick up my calendar and go, oh, look at that, there's only one constant appointment. And then when our week comes around and we think, well, how can we invest in others? When we think about planning, when someone says, are you free on Sunday afternoon? You pull out your calendar, you go, well, no, I'm not. I'm not, it's in there, look, I've got, I've got a, a booking. I'm, I'm not, because I have others to invest in. Commit to pausing in the car before you get out. If you've got kids, that might be tricky. You're going nuts if they're anything like mine. Uh, but pause even as you're drying in and pray. If your kids are old enough to understand, talk as you're coming down. What a great way to train them. Who could we be kind to today at church? Who could you play with? Who could you say hello to? Great thing to be teaching our kids and doing ourselves. And, and look for others to, to take care, to care of, to, to pray for. I, I want to encourage you to get on a team, to, to serve, to start thinking, well, how can I build into this community? And, and as you start to invest, as you've seen the beauty of the gathering, if you've started to invest in others, you will discover the third step is something not to do, but it'll happen, is you'll discover it's self-fulfilling. This is like the opposite of a catch-22. Yeah, understand what a catch-22 is? is uh, well, it's with church. Someone would say, ah, oh, I don't really feel like I know anyone. You say, well, that's a bit of a catch-22, isn't it? Because the more you come to church, the more you feel like you know people, and then the more you want to come to church. So catch-22 is the negative. This is the opposite. It's self-fulfilling. As you start to invest in others, as you commit, as you commit week in, week out to investing in others, as you start to see them grow, 
If you're in kids' church and you, you see the kids and they're chattering about the lesson they had last week. As the person who was, uh, you encouraged last week because they were doing a bit tough and you see them and they're doing a whole lot better and they say, thanks, that, that, was, really, that was really special. And you see the effect of your input. You see what God's doing in others as you build relationships, as you belong. That's what happens when we get involved and pick up a task and start investing. That's one of the key things that changes is you say, I belong here. That usually happens when you start doing something, when you feel needed, when you feel valued, when you think, I would be missed if I wasn't here. So this is my church, I belong here. And as you grow yourself, as you see yourself growing, because others are doing that in you, it makes you want to invest all the more. It's cyclic, it's self-fulfilling, it helps you connect, it makes you want to get back there and you grow more. That's what you will discover as you invest in church. That's what many of you have already discovered and will testify to. And as that happens all the more, it becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of who you are. Now, one of the questions uh, we ask in our uh, membership series as we think about commitment, what does it mean to commit to Lake Mac Church? What does it mean to commit to your local gathering of God's people? What does commitment look like? Uh, well, I, I'm not going to give us a percentage because that'll just turn into legalism. Uh, but I, I want to tell you a couple of stories that I, I think illustrate commitment. Uh, when, when someone is running something, and if you're part of Lake Mac Church, they're running something between three and seven on a Sunday afternoon, and they want you to come along. If you've followed these steps, if you've seen the beauty of church and you've invested in others and you're discovering it self-fulfilling and it's started to become part of who you are, it will be so in you that those around you will know that that is part of who you are. And when they book something on a Sunday afternoon, they'll ring you up and they'll say, look, I'm, I'm so sorry. We, we checked with the rest of the family uh, and they're, they're, we so tried to put this on a time other than Sunday afternoon. But we couldn't, I know, I know you're so committed to church and I hate to do this to you because I know how much this means to you, but, but there was no other time we could have it. Could you make the reunion? Could you make the party? But they won't come just saying, oh, it's on four o'clock, we'll see you there, because they know, this part of who you are. Just think about those in your family or friends who, whose kids have Saturday soccer. Little Jimmy plays soccer every Saturday morning. Can you imagine if someone in the family booked a family gathering at 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning? You, they wouldn't do it because it's part of who they are. It's part of their regular... They're committed to it. And if that was the only time in the week that that thing could be on, they, they would ring the family and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, I know you do soccer, I know you're committed to it, I know he loves it, I know it's good for him, I know he'll let the team down, but it's the only time, I'm so sorry, could you make it? I'll understand if you can't. Because that's what we'd say, isn't it? Because we know how much it means to them. And if we know that about under 10 soccer, how much more should this gathering, this community, this body be part of who we are? that those we know and love in our lives would see that and would know so deeply how important it is to us. And you might be thinking, well, that's impossible. I, I don't want to be a bad witness. 
I don't want to say no to my family or my friends. That would be, that would be a bad witness. I want to tell you a couple of stories about people in this church. Uh, one fellow I was talking to a uh, week before last, uh, they had a huge issue with their family putting stuff on, on weekends. Mostly non-Christian family, stuff on weekends during church, and they would just assume that, yeah, of course you'll come, because family comes first. And they started off polite, look, we, we really can't. And after a whole bunch of polite no's, I'm so sorry, but we, we, we can't make it, we have church. It took months. But the family have got it. And they do their best to avoid church time now. And that's great. I was talking to a lady this week who had a non-Christian family at school come up to her and she said, oh, uh, my child's having a birthday party in a few weeks' time and we really want your kid to come along. I know how important church is to you. What's the time again so I can make sure it doesn't clash? That's what commitment to church looks like. Not because you've handed out a form to all the people in, in school and say, if you're having a party, please avoid... That, that doesn't need to happen. It's just so part of who you are that people know. And occasionally you'll, when they ring and they say, I'm so sorry, we couldn't do it any other time, you'll say, okay. Look, yep, yeah, I get that. Thank you. Thank you for trying. Yeah, we, we can make it this week. But it shouldn't be the norm. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't ever say, oh, it's, it's fine, it's fine. What's that communicate? It's fine. Now, that's not really that important. They won't miss me. I'm not valued. I don't have a role. I don't need it. I don't need to invest. It's, it's not fine. It's a huge deal. And if you're the one planning it, never do it on a church time. Great, you get to plan it. Put your hand up. I'll, I'll organise that. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's lots of times you could run it. Communicating to your family, your friends about church, when you put something on at your church time, what's that saying to them? It's the least valuable time in my week. I think that's what commitment to a community looks like. And that brings us back where we started. Uh, how do you feel about church? How we do, we, do we, we do look at it? Is it community service or is it the social soccer? Is it something we tick off because we have to as a qualifying ticket? Or is it something that we wouldn't miss for the world because we love it, it's good for us, we don't want to let our team down, we're needed. It's beautiful and I'm invested in it. Right, well, uh, question time as promised. Ben's got a microphone on a stick. He doesn't even have to get close to you to get your questions, so wave on out. Rob will let us know if we've got some texted questions as well. Okay, first in. Ben will be very careful with his stick and won't hit you with it as he's getting your microphone. Um, more a comment, I guess, so much than a question, but I feel very saddened for the people, and I'm sure God knows what's going on in people's lives, that are incapacitated and mm. can't stay at home. You mentioned about, you know, it's impossible to be a healthy Christian um, without gathering. Well, God knows these people are unable mm. physically, but, yeah, it saddens me, saddens me to think how they stay a healthy Christian because yeah. if they can't gather... Without, without the body. The gathering, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, now we'll just make sure that mic's not got any feedback on it. Uh, Rob's on that. Um, thank you, Kay. And I, I think this is one where, uh, are you familiar with the phrase, the exception proves the rule? So th th it's, it says there are exceptions, but for an exception you have to have a rule. You have to have the norm, you have to have the standard. And this, this is one. So uh, there are those, you know, if you've got a broken hip and can't get out of home, if, if there's some sort of illness, if you're the only Christian in your village, you know, th there are exceptions to this uh, where we'd say, well, do you have to, oh, no, I'm, I'm a terrible Christian because I can't get, no, absolutely not. That's, uh, do, now, if you weren't longing for and seeking for a Christian community to be part of, there's, there's something wrong in here. There's some sort of spiritual unhealth. But if, if you actually can't get there, yet are longing to, uh, then I think we as, the, uh, as the, the body who can gather, we, we need to do our best to, to, to support and love and seek to nurture them because they're missing a key part that God's designed in us for our spiritual health. So let's, I think that's great because that, that encourages us, Kay, to not only feel for those who can't get to, ch can't get to church, but, but work on their behalf to connect with them and do what we can. If they can't get there, let's get to them. Um, meet with them, pray with them, go to them. Uh, if it's overseas or maybe you're in the military, hey, Hannah, uh, you know, do whatever you can with conversations. I was chatting to Hannah. She's off in the Navy last week. So we're, we're doing what we can. She can't get to... She can't. She's not allowed, you know. Um, so how do we connect with them? So, but they're exceptions, and we've got, to, we've got to seek to look after them. Thanks, Kay. Robin, and then Sue after that. Thanks, Ben. Hi. Your number three was build others up and mm. invest in others, and you talked about praying for others. I would love to see us being able to pray for others here, and I have reprimanded myself during this week because Carol was here last week. She wasn't well. I didn't go over to her and say, can I pray for you? But my question is... We would all have needs here, but we have to humble ourselves and admit we have needs. So how would you suggest that when we're here that we can all pray for each other? Yeah. We can get aside yeah. in a quiet place. Thank, thank you so much for asking that. My, my pleasure to interact with that. Um, I, I, I want to foster that attitude in myself too. First, uh, reprimand's good as long as it doesn't lead into depression, but into action. So, yeah go visit her tomorrow or whenever it might be, you know, that's, let's... Yeah, but that was a godly, that, that, um, that was a godly reprimand yeah, yeah. to so myself that, that, that I missed an opportunity. Yep, absolutely, and, and let's take the next one, let's take that as a, oh, let's, let's, let's do better next time at mm. taking that opportunity. But in terms of sharing our needs, when we don't share our needs either for prayer or for conversation or support, we're actually robbing our Christian brothers and sisters of opportunities to invest in us Absolutely. and it's, it's something that God says it is good for for you it's good for you to invest in others to bear each other's burdens and when we hold on to them and hide them we're actually robbing others of the opportunity to do good which God says he will reward and he loves and he delights in so we're it's not only something that we're missing out on we're missing out on being helped and having our burdens shared but we're we're they're missing out on something too. So I want to encourage us to, as you say, uh, I think you said humble. That's a big part of it. We, we, it's really hard uh, to share when you're struggling. Well, it is for me because we want to 
say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a great Christian and I don't need help. No, no, share it. Now, there'll be different levels of uh, when you can share. I sometimes can share certain things up front. There are other things that I don't share from the pulpit that I do share with my home group. There are other things I don't share with my home group that I do share with my one-on-ones. And, uh, so, so I think there's different levels of where you, you want to go to someone and depending on what it is, you know, seek someone you know and trust uh, who, you, who will listen. And there, there should be plenty of these. You're a great bunch of people. And uh, so, so that's the first one. If you'd like prayer for something, uh, we have a weekly email that has a right up top uh, a prayer a, a prayer chunk, um, and and we would love to be praying for you. Um, so you can there's a auto reply button. You can hit it and say please pray for me. Uh, you can say I'd only like the staff to know this. I'd only like a few to like know this. I would like this to go out in next week's prayer bulletin. So it can be as public or as private as you want, and that's an opportunity for others to pray for you, invest in you. Um, but yeah, uh, ask for it. But I want to also recognise sometimes we're in such a state where we're broken, we're hurting. And, and the last thing we feel like is, oh, now I have to do something else to go and get help. You know, sometimes when, when we're really hurting, we might be so hurting we, we're unable to ask. We're unable to approach some, someone because of just the trauma that's going on. And, and that's on the rest of us to be sensitive, to be looking out, to be praying. Hey, God, guide me. Who, who, needs, who needs some prayer? Who needs a... Hey, how you doing? How you really doing? Um, yeah, and God, God will guide us to do that. Look out, look out for body language, look out for what people are saying, look how they're sitting, how they're looking, and pray that God will guide you, His Spirit will guide you to them, to encourage them. So if you're, if you're feeling like, ah, I don't need you to, you know, I'm so hurting, I can't do that. Yep, let, let's pick up that burden, but on the whole, let's be humble and, and give others the opportunity. Thanks, Robin. It's lovely. Sue was next. Hi, Liam. I just sort of want to go around or build around what you were just talking about. And um, I want to talk about um, home groups, growth groups, Bible study, however you feel about them. Mm. And I just want to mention, from my perspective, they're extremely important and for when you're having a seasonal time, because it is seasonal and we all will go through something like this at some time, there is nothing better than be able to share it with somebody that you already know and to have your brothers and sisters behind you holding you up and praying for you. And um, people don't have to do anything brilliant. They just have to pray for you and just the knowledge that someone's spiritually caring for you. And I think that in a home group, you have sort of a background awareness of the people in that group. And so it's not as um, humbling or um, not as out there as sort of putting it to a whole group of people. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we, we love our home groups. And I think that's the Hebrews 10, all the more. Gather all the more to spur one another on. That's a fundamental part of what we do. Um, for the sake of our kids' church leaders, we might pull it up there. Um, but uh, we're here all week. Rob will answer the rest of your questions, or I'm here as well. We'll see you at dinner.